Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 188. In our episode today, we're going to read through the book of Nahum to begin. And this book is written by the prophet Nahum as a contemporary of Manasseh and Amnon. He was prophesying at that time. And so his prophecy is actually filled with judgment against the people of Assyria, the Assyrian Empire centered in Nineveh, uh, the same city that uh, many years before Jonah had been sent to, the prophet Jonah, to prophesy against it as well. The Assyrian uh, Empire was known as one of the most cruel and vicious empires in the history of the world. Uh, their cruelty and their lack of mercy was world-renowned. It was infamous. And so this judgment of God against the people of the Assyrian Empire, of the people of Nineveh, was actually a comforting word to the people who had been oppressed, the thousands and thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people who had been oppressed by the Assyrians, including the people of Israel. And it shows us that God does care about justice. And yet at the same time as uh, this passage calls for God to bring that justice uh, we end today with 2 Corinthians 4, which will speak of God's justice, but also of his mercy and grace to people who turn to him and ask for forgiveness, uh, just like we saw in the life of Manasseh in yesterday's episode. So I hope this will be an encouragement to you today. Uh, we'll begin with the book of Nahum, and we'll read the entire short book that speaks of the prophecy against the Assyrian Empire and against uh, the city of Nineveh. So Nahum chapter 1. This is an oracle about Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkoshite. The Lord is a zealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and very angry. The Lord takes vengeance against his foes. He sustains his rage against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will certainly not allow the wicked to go unpunished. He marches out in the whirlwind and the raging storm. Dark storm clouds billow like dust under his feet. He shouts a battle cry against the sea and makes it dry up. He makes all the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel wither. The blossom of Lebanon withers. The mountains tremble before him. The hills convulse. The earth is laid waste before him. The world and all its inhabitants are laid waste. No one can withstand his indignation. No one can resist his fierce anger. His wrath is poured out like volcanic fire. Boulders are broken up as he approaches. The Lord is good. Indeed, he is a fortress in time of distress, and he protects those who seek refuge in him. But with an overwhelming flood, he will make a complete end of Nineveh. He will drive his enemies into darkness. Whatever you plot against the Lord, he will completely destroy. Distress will not arise a second time. Surely they will be totally consumed like entangled thorn bushes, like the drink of drunkards, like very dry stubble. From you, O Nineveh, one has marched forth who plots evil against the Lord, a wicked military strategist. This is what the Lord says. Even though they are powerful, and what is more, even though their army is numerous, nevertheless, they will be destroyed and trickle away. Although I afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. 
And now I will break Assyria's yoke bar from your neck. I will tear apart the shackles that are on you. The Lord has issued a decree against you. Your dynasty will come to an end. I will destroy the idols and images and the temples of your gods. I will desecrate your grave because you are accursed. Look, a herald is running on the mountains. A messenger is proclaiming deliverance, saying, Celebrate your festal, uh, sacred festivals, O Judah. Fulfill your sacred vows to praise God. For never again will the wicked Assyrians invade you. They have been completely destroyed. An enemy who will scatter you, Nineveh, has advanced against you. Guard the rampart, watch the road, prepare yourselves for battle, muster your mighty strength. For the Lord is about to res- restore the majesty of Jacob as well as the majesty of Israel, though your enemies have plundered them and have destroyed their fields. The shields of his warriors are dyed red. The mighty soldiers are dressed in scarlet garments. The chariots are in flashing metal fittings on the day of battle. The soldiers brandish their spears. The chariots race madly through the streets. They rush back and forth in the broad plazas. They look like lightning bolts. They dash here and there like flashes of lightning. The commander orders his officers. They stumble as they advance. They rush to the city wall, and they set up the covered siege tower. The sluice gates are opened. The royal palace is deluged and dissolves. Nineveh is taken into exile and is led away. Her slave girls moan like doves while they beat their breasts. Nineveh was like a pool of water through her days, but now her people are running away. She cries out, Stop! Stop! But no one turns back. Her conquerors cry out, Plunder the silver! Plunder the gold! There is no end to the treasure, riches of every kind of precious thing. Destruction, devastation, and desolation. Hearts faint, knees tremble, every stomach churns, all their faces have turned pale. Where now is the den of the lions and the feeding place of the young lions, where the lion, lioness, and lion cub once prowled, and no one disturbed them? The lion tore apart as much prey as his cubs needed, and strangled prey for his lionesses. He filled his lairs with prey and his dens with torn flesh. I am against you, declares the Lord of heaven's armies. I will burn your chariots with fire. The sword will devour your young lions. You will no longer prey upon the land. The voices of your messengers will no longer be heard. Woe to the city of bloodshed. She is full of lies. She is filled with plunder. She has hoarded her spoil. The chariot drivers will crack their whips. The chariot wheels will shake the ground. The chariot horses will gallop. The war chariots will bolt forward. The chariots will charge ahead. Charioteers will charge ahead. Their swords will flash and their spears will glimmer. There will be many people slain. There will be piles of the dead and countless casualties. So many people that will stumble over the corpses. Because you have acted like a wanton prostitute, a seductive mistress who practices sorcery, who enslaves nations by her harlotry and entices peoples by her sorcery, I am against you, declares the Lord of Heaven's armies. I will strip off your clothes. I will show your nakedness to the nations and your shame to the kingdoms. I will pelt you with filth. I will treat you with contempt. I will make you a public spectacle. Everyone who sees you will turn away from you in disgust. They will say, Nineveh has been devastated. Who will lament for her? There will be no one to comfort you. You are no more secure than Thebes. She was located on the banks of the Nile. The water surrounded her. Her rampart was the sea. The water was her wall. Cush and Egypt had limitless strength. Put and the Libyans were among her allies. Yet she went into captivity as an exile. Even her infants were smashed to pieces at the head of every street. 
They cast lots for her nobility. All her dignitaries were bound with chains. You too will act like drunkards. You will go into hiding. You too will seek refuge from the enemy. All your fortifications will be like fig trees with first ripe fruit. If they are shaken, their figs will fall into the mouth of the eater. Your warriors will be like women in your midst. The gates of your land will be wide open to your enemies. Fire will consume the bars of your gates. Draw yourselves water for a siege. Strengthen your fortifications. Trample the mud and tread the clay. Make mud bricks to strengthen your walls. There the fire will consume you. The sword will cut you down. It will devour you like the young locust would. Multiply yourself like the young locust. Multiply yourself like the flying locust. Increase your merchants more than the stars of heaven. They are like the young locust that sheds its skin and flies away. Your courtiers are like locusts. Your officials are like a swarm of locusts. They encamp in the walls on a cold day. Yet when the sun rises, they fly away, and no one knows where they are. Your shepherds are sleeping, O king of Assyria. Your officers are slumbering. Your people are scattered like sheep on the mountains, and there is no one to regather them. Your destruction is like an incurable wound. Your demise is like a fatal injury. All who hear what has happened to you will clap their hands for joy, for no one ever escaped your endless cruelty. What a devastating uh, declaration of God in his judgment against the people of Assyria basically bringing upon them the just punishment for their cruelty to the nations. And we see now as we turn to Psalm 149 that this is a psalm of praise that actually includes praising God for his justice and for bringing judgment on people. Recognizing that to have a God who is not just, to have a God who turns a blind eye to evil, would, to have a, would be to have a God who is not worth praising or worshiping or loving because someone who ignores evil is not someone who is good or loving. And so we turn to Psalm 149 and hear the psalm of praise, which includes praise for God's justice and his executing of judgment. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Praise him in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel rejoice in their creator. Let the people of Zion delight in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with the accompaniment of the tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He exalts the oppressed by delivering them. Let the godly rejoice because of their vindication. Let them shout for joy upon their beds. May the praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands in order to take revenge on the nations and punish foreigners. The godly bind their enemies kings in chains and their nobles in iron shackles and execute the judgment to which their enemies have been sentenced. All his loyal followers will be vindicated. vindicated. Praise the Lord. And so there the psalmist is basically saying that we praise God for all the many good things that he does in rescuing, but also in bringing justice on those who deserve that sentence. And now as we turn to 2 Corinthians 4, we read in this letter, the Apostle Paul's writing to a church in Corinth, that God is the one who shows mercy as well. And he shows mercy to people who have done shameful things. People who have, done dece- who have behaved dece- deceivingly, distorted the word of God, have done all kinds of evil things. And yet those who turn to God and ask for mercy are, are willingly forgiven by God. And that he shows mercy to them and actually shares his glory with them. 
And so in an amazing way, we see God's justice in these passages, which makes him loving and gracious as well, because he is the one who can take people who deserve justice and show them mercy when they turn to him in repentance and faith. And so let's read from 2 Corinthians 4, and I hope we'll be encouraged by God's graciousness as well as hearing his justice. 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore, since we have this ministry, just as God has shown us mercy, we do not become discouraged. But we have rejected shameful hidden deeds, not behaving with deceptiveness or distorting the word of God, but by open proclamation of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience before God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing, among whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe so they would not see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, is the one who shined in our hearts to give us the light of the glorious knowledge of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are experiencing trouble on every side, but are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are knocked down, but not destroyed. Always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our body. For we who are alive are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our mortal body. As a result, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. But since we have the same spirit of faith as that shown in what has been written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. We do so because we know that the one who raised up Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. For all these things are for your sake, so that the grace that is, include, including, that is including more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore we do not despair, but even if our physical body is wearing away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light suffering is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison because we are not looking at what can be seen but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary but what cannot be seen is eternal. It's amazing how the Apostle Paul here is saying God takes people, fragile, broken, sinful people, takes their hearts and changes them gives them new life, and causes them to be people who, in the joy of experiencing that forgiving grace and love, having had Jesus take the justice on their behalf, can begin to live new lives empowered by the Spirit of God, that increasingly our lives that are lived, even if suffering in this life, with a joy and a confidence in what's to come, so that there is an ability not to give in to despair, but to actually be renewed and increasingly encouraged that one day we will see Jesus face to face in his complete glory. And there will be a joy that begins now but goes on to eternity 
that the Apostle Paul says is a weight of glory that is beyond comparison, is greater than anything we could ever experience here and now. And that is what awaits those who turn to Jesus and experience his forgiving grace. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996, 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You are-